serious. Let's let's, okay. <laughs> let's record a let's record a podcast. Let that be serious. Huh? Yeah, let's not. This is not a serious podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Matt and Corey here, back for after a long, long time. How long has it been? <laughs> I think like six. Months. My last. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's been over six months because it's just today's June first. We're recording this, so it has been almost seven or eight months at this point. We'll get it back. Yes, we we'll will. It took that long to um, sort life out. <laughs> sort life out. That that's probably the best place to start. We're gonna yeah. skip that intro. Everybody's probably heard half a dozen times. Yeah. This is a a May culpa for those listening for our longtime listeners. Uh, we've been gone for far far longer than either of us expected. Uh, for me, I had a change in shifts. I used to work afternoons and now work day shifts. Um, it has led to a ton of scheduling issues. There's also, uh, back before the world ended, back before COVID-19, I was involved in a very serious, mad scramble for what looked like an imminent promotion. Going to get off the bench in the lab, going to become a supervisor or coordinator, I think is what the title officially was. And since COVID hit, that is not gonna happen uh so that's another thing another lost summer 2020 so that's what i've been dealing with prior to the end of the world matt how about you over there uh life hasn't actually changed all that much for me i was already teleworking quite a bit um to begin with like three days a week and now they just it started with you know we'll just keep teleworking you're already teleworking so much why don't you just stay at home um but in the interim, I've actually managed to start a whole new job. Same, same company, just a, a different position, a different office. Um, so onboarding in a virtual environment has been really interesting. Um, uh, it's, been, it's been challenging, but I, I really enjoy the new work. Um, has a lot less... Um, it's, it's just work during my working hours now. No, no more like extra project stuff. No more things I gotta be held, you know, be held accountable to get done. So um, that's been freeing up a lot of time for the hobby. I know. Prior to this, you started this new job. Your prior title was a huge amount of stress on you. Yep. Uh, obviously, Matt and I talk a great deal, even when we're not recording. <laughs> And it was one of the, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but it was something I took away from our conversations was you were borderline miserable at that old place, at that old title. And since then, you have gone, you've been great. You've, it's, it's a visible, visceral change that you've had. Yep. Uh, What I like to tell people who ask around work is it's the same amount of pay for like a third of the work. So that's been, <laughs> that's magical. been great. Yeah, that's been magical. Um, other than that, um, you know, my, my two of my kids, their school got cut short a little bit. Um, but it's just been kind of like an indoor summer uh, we're treating it, you know, and we're just kind of like taking time off. And even though this is like a huge tragedy, obviously, Corey and I, we're not going to go like, you know, everyone's talked COVID at this point. You know, we're too late to the game to, to say anything new. Um, but I will say having time with my family has been awesome, you know, like the, the, the very silver lining to this problem. 
you know, I'm home every day with my wife and kids, which has been been awesome. Um, other than that, though, my D&D group, we moved to an online format, which has uh, been good. I, I, you know, I miss them, obviously. I miss my friends. Um, we'll get into the, the detail in the hobby corner, but, you know, I wrapped up a campaign, you know, two years of work. Um you know, two years of, of meet, planning and meeting in person, and it's moved to like a to online for like the last couple sessions, which is kind of bittersweet, but uh, still we still get to play, and I think that's more important. Yeah, Matt's a hundred percent right. We're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and talk about COVID. We're not gonna sit here and break down everything else going on in the world. This is a gaming podcast for the everyman, and the reason we do this stuff is to get away from that terrible reality. So. Yeah. Uh, all that aside, I speak for both of us when I say that this break since the last episode back in November has served to really drive the both of us. Changed host have added some ad work, and we're looking to do uh, really update our our content and our work ethic in regards to design, branding, social media, all that that boring nuts and bolts kind of stuff. So we're hoping that all that boring work ends up being really exciting as we step forward. And uh, we hope that everybody listens, enjoys them as well. So Good. So let's talk Hobby Corner. I, I miss hobby. it. Because yeah. actually, Corey, you and I have not talked about hobby in quite some time. Nope. No, we've nope. been talking about real life stuff. So yeah. Tell me, Hobby Corner, what have you gotten done? Uh, okay, so what have I gotten done Hobby Corner-wise since the hours got cut and all that serious stuff has happened? Not a whole lot, because you know what happens when your wife's home from work, too, and you're home from work? Oh, no. You have to do a lot of chores. Oh, no. So my house looks amazing. I can my see it. Time, it looks amazing. Yeah. Yes, this is my office is a little bit cleaned up. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to just juke off of the notes here for a second. In brief, one of the things Sarah, my wife, got me for Christmas was the Warhammer 30K Lehman Rust model. 30K. 30K. My, my wife does not understand the difference. I, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> I understand 40K is like a time frame. So 30K is uh, yes. the, the prequel the stuff. The Horus her- Heresy yep. era. Yes. Um, I got Lehman Russ because she knows I love the Space Wolves, the Space Vikings. Yeah, man. Um, I just wrapped them up today. We're going to have some artwork going live on the Instagram, the show's Instagram. We're going to be launching here next week, all of our social media. So stay tuned for that, guys. Uh, the next step is to finish up his two wolves he's got with him. But it was a huge model. It was, I'm going to guess, probably 50 hours worth of work in them total. It's a mag- magnificent piece of art. When you say huge model, is it is, is it like physically huge or, or like the, the detail of it is huge? The detail is huge. Yeah. And physically, that that's all a matter of relativity. Yeah. Compared to a Space Marine, sure. yes, he's absolutely monstrous. Compared to one of my Night Titans, no, he's not, not that's- huge at all. That's awesome, Cardi. So, like in the yeah. script notes, you have uh, you downplay it, like you haven't accomplished much. That that to me, that sounds like a big deal to to, well, to paint this model. Thank you. You're you're very gracious, and I I really did try to break out all the stops and push myself to the next hobby level. So let me let me pick your brain yeah. about this because because I think we can address 
some uh, something that holds me up into getting into like model painting. So we've talked about it before. I have three 3D printers, right? And in theory, I have unlimited access to models, right? Like whatever I can find on the internet and or, or like design myself. I don't do much design. I don't do like anything. all those dark corners of the internet. Nobody should ever go to because you're stealing intellectual property. <laughs> You wouldn't download a car, would you, Matt? Okay, so, so all the cool, like, fan-made uh, models of, like, D&D characters, which is all I download. <laughs> it, so, to the punchline. so in theory, I have unlimited models, right? You know, if I can right. find it, I can print it, and I can, I can go through as many as I want to. I still have, I'll, I'll say, literally paralyzing anxiety, because remember, last time I went to Gen Con... I bought a bunch of Infinity models, and I can't bring myself to do this. <laughs> I am terrified of a bad of bad painting, you know. So you've got Lehman Russ. You have your one Lehman Russ model, and and like you have one shot to paint them how you like them. How do you get over this hump that I'm describing? First off, do you experience this hump that I'm describing? Have you ever? Uh, yes, I experience experience this hump. Frequently, uh, it's one thing for me anymore to paint a regular, uh, normal space marine. Do I get anxiety about that? Absolutely not. It's slap it on, get it done, move the next one. It's a space marine. Yeah. Something at this level, uh, the Lehman Rust style, these Forge World models that are full of detail and character and represent these monumental personalities in the IP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a serious thing. How do I get over this? Well, one, I had a very, very lonely, late teenage life to <laughs> mid to late 20s life. So how did I get over it? I spent all my meager money on Space Marines, and I learned to paint. It took forever. It's, it is. It's it's an investment. I, There are those people in this world with an artistic talent that are the outliers that everybody holds up to be pinnacles of what you should achieve and what you should strive for and the reality is is that's that's not real those people are just like i said they're outliers it takes ten thousand hours to master a skill how do you get over that hump of anxiety how do you get over that that fear that paralyzing indecision you just start bite the bullet and go so don't 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 hold yourself up to a heavy metal standard don't yeah. hold yourself up to a golden demon you're never gonna get there and you don't need to don't you don't need to well right? yeah you don't need to number one yeah. number two that's a it's a it's a level you don't need to be at you're right okay. um, so don't hold yourself up to it's got to look exactly like it does on the box yeah i just find your own style there's a ton of resources out there these days there was not these resources when i started but youtube is is popular because of this kind of stuff. Go on YouTube, watch, read, learn, try, fail, try again, fail. Yeah. Embrace the failure. Be free to fail. Let me let me ask this because I, I wonder if, if we're touching on a subject that people in our world can relate to, right? So like like look at me. I don't have a lot of experience painting, um, and what we say is just get started painting. But I only have so many Infinity models, right? And I sunk some real money into them. Um, could we do a podcast about stripping paint? Is that absolutely? I wonder if that'd be a good uh, topic. I I've got my surefire has worked every single time. 
uh, method because I have constantly stripped models. I, I've got old models I strip and repaint all the time. This is another rabbit hole you can fall down on the internet and you can read dozens of resources about how to strip. I've got a surefire thing that works. It's not quick. It takes about 48 hours. You've got to brush the stuff off afterward. Um, but yeah, we could totally do an episode on this. I don't even think you'd need a full episode for Corey's method, but mm. Corey's method works yeah. as long as you're willing to spend 48 hours and get your hands dirty. Yeah, so if anyone listening to this, like, <laughs> so you got the alert that Pawns is back. You, you rushed to download this new episode. Um, <laughs> and, and you're like me. You got like a stash of unpainted models and you just don't know how to get started in a way that you're not going to be like throwing you know, good models away. Um, let us know if that's something that you want us to talk about. Absolutely. I, uh, I've spent a ton of time looking at resources and I'm happy to lay those resources out. Uh, it's easier than it looks, but you've also got to be willing to let yourself make a mistake. Cause that's what art is, is mistakes. Good. Good segue. All right. What else? Uh, you got another one. You got a second. I got a second thing here. I wanted to broach because I finally feel like I'm starting to shed my Dungeons and Dragons hobby style. Not in that I don't want to play RPGs anymore, oh, okay. but that I'm feeling the drive to branch out from the old classic Gary Gygax inspired stuff we play all the time. I recently stumbled across a PDF of a rare module for Call of Cthulhu. I've long been fascinated by the exploration of Antarctica back in the early 1900s. And as such, the H.P. Lovecraft novella At the Mountains of Madness has always been a favorite of mine. Having long been aware of the Call of Cthulhu RPG and having played that game we did back at Gen Con 2019, mm-hmm. I found the PDF Beyond the Mountains of Madness. Now, Very if you've cool. ever looked into any uh, Call of Cthulhu modules, a lot of them are super short. They're usually uh, one scene, one one little adventure type stuff, one little investigation. Uh, Beyond the Mountains of Madness is not that. This bad boy weighs in at about 450 pages, and according to the author's foreword, they think it should take most groups about 15 to 20 sessions to complete this thing. This isn't just a module. This is a campaign setting. Very cool. I've been reading a little... Yeah, thank you. Yeah, very cool. Uh, I've been reading a little bit in my downtime that I've had, and I just love this thing. It's... I'm about, I want to say, maybe 25% of the way through the module. The boat hasn't even left the docks of New York yet. That's how much this investigation builds up. The expedition Uh, hasn't even left yet. The expedition (laughs) has not departed. Awesome. Um, So... Uh, I'm going to play this one a little bit close to the chest. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I'm really interested in it. My hope is that there's a lot of room for some quality content here. And I want to see if maybe we can make some future episodes, uh, maybe uh, maybe some live play with this and see if we can get the girls interested at all. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I think that's an interesting idea, especially because Call of Cthulhu lends itself well to like theater of the mind sort of play. So I think that that would readily translate to a podcast format. So that's a good idea. Um, And I think it's interesting that you, you approach this from like getting out of the D and D camp and into new stuff. 
I come from the complete opposite. I, you know, in my high school years, we were playing other games. Yeah. And, and D&D is kind of like a new thing to me. Um, that said, I love Call of Cthulhu for its, um, its, its world building, its setting, and it's just something about it is very uh, visceral, you know? I stumbled yeah. across Seth Gorkowski's YouTube channel late last year. And among all the other stuff he does, he has a lot of Call of Cthulhu reviews. And I am in love with how Chaosium has not just stuck with the classical 1920-ish era H.P. Lovecraft's timeline, but they've also gone not just into a modern setting, but also a far future setting. And they've also gone back as far as an ancient Rome setting. Interesting. Um, the, The entire system has got a lot of a lot of legs it's it's very robust it's a much less of a combat focused system than what dungeon dragons is and i i'm really interested yeah yeah i don't watch a lot of live plays i i am watching the name escapes me but a little live play of like call of cthulhu one shots which are all interconnected um, yeah one of my favorite uh the last podcast on the left henry zabrowski is in it um so that's that's been entertaining. This would be a really good uh, COVID project, though. It would have been, yeah, but well, it's not too late. It. It's not too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. How have you? What have you been up to? Your yeah, turn. Yeah. Yeah, Matt's hobby corner. Uh, like I alluded to, we wrapped up the campaign, uh, which is a first for me. I've never actually all my all my D and D plays like just like not D and D but the tabletop plays just fizzled out. You know, we we lose interest or we find interest in something new or. You know, um, but to play a story to a, an end point uh, was my uh, accomplishment, my COVID accomplishment. Um, like I said, we, we made a smooth transition from playing in person to playing online. Um, th- there was a lot of uh, incentive for us to get started on that right away. Uh, a lot of personal incentive. You know, like as soon as we were like, oh, there's, there's a pandemic brewing, we were like, okay, pull the stops. We're not even going to risk it. Um, we're gonna go straight to online play. And it was also spurred uh, by one of the players moved out of state. Um, so Wait. we were like, okay, how do we get this going? You know, uh, we tried a lot of different uh, communication venues. Uh, um, I don't want to spoil the ending of the show. Um, we settled with Zoom. I, I finally ponied up for a Zoom premium membership, uh, and we've tried a couple different virtual tabletops, which. Um, I will talk about later in the podcast because uh, I've got some opinion on those. Um, but yeah, like I said, I wrapped up a campaign. Uh, my players got all the way to the end where they fought the, the bad guy that had been building against them for like the for two years and had a, an, an emotional final confrontation with him. They they trapped this guy <laughs> literally in like the the corner of the room where they found him and and, and straight up murdered him. Um, but left plenty of room for uh, campaign two, which actually I hand, handed the reins over to a player, so I'm switching seats. A player has become the dungeon master in, in campaign number two, which is a direct sequel. It's like three weeks later, um, and I have taken the role of a player. Uh, when we had our first session last week, it was a lot of fun. Uh, a little weird to, to be a player, not a, not a DM, but... Um, yeah, I'm very excited to uh, start this new chapter of our campaign and to keep it going. Um, 
other than that, I'm also running like a Fandelver like casual game on the alternating day, day you know, because uh, we play every two weeks. It's just right. Fandelver stuff. I'm actually taking the two Fandelver uh, intro modules, um, Lost Mind of Fandelver and Dragon of Icefire Peak, and just mushing them together. Um, I, I've read a lot of people doing that with success, so I'm trying my hand. Because I think at this point, Lost Mind of Fandelver is kind of too popular, so by peppering Icefire Peak, it just kind of changes it up just enough. Um, and I'm kind of approaching this with like a new, a different attitude because it's not true dungeon mastering because it's all, sorry, it is true dungeon mastering because however you do it, right? But I'm not right. designing anything. I'm just reading from the book, um, you know, just changing things a little bit. So it's pretty casual. Um, but yeah, so uh, other than that, other than D&D, uh, all of my 3D printers are busted. I broke them all. <laughs> so sorry. I, I read this in the notes earlier. I was like, oh, no, I didn't know that. So, I mean, th- th- it's just uh, kind of part of the hobby. Um, if you get a 3D printer, not only are you signing up for learning how to use it, you're signing up for learning how to uh, keep it going. It, it's a machine, right? And the more you use any machine, it'll break down. Um, my original printer, the Monoprice, has broken temperature sensors, which will shut the machine down. I'm finding that's a common issue, um, and I'm kind of, the silver lining here is while I'm opening it up, I'm going to be upgrading it, getting it a different uh, like nozzle, different tubing, uh, better sensors. So I'll come out of this with a better printer for uh, kind of a small price point. It's not expensive to fix this. My large-scale FDM printer had a jammed tube, and uh, the part that I ordered to replace it will not work with it. Uh, but we'll work with the first printer, right? Uh, so I'm getting started on the upgrade there. Um, and the replacement parts are on order from China, and we all know how the mail works these days. So I've been waiting for a long time. And finally, the resin printer gives me continual cal- calibration issues, so I've just kind of like hung it up for now. I'm, I'm thinking I could fix it with like a night of tinkering, but I'm just, you know, with everything else going on... Um, I'm just hanging it up. And we're not using models right now. We're playing on virtual tabletops, which is the reason I have the resin printer. So I'm like, what's what's the point? If it's if it's time for a break, just take a break, focus on other stuff. So I don't I don't mean to end on kind of a bummer note, <laughs> but uh, that's just well, how the, how printers go, you know. It was one of the first things I learned about Warhammer, and it's I think it holds true for all hobbies. Is if you don't bleed for it, it isn't really a hobby. So. Yeah. Yeah. The downside is just the reality of, of what we do is there's always something that needs to be fixed. That's right. So, um, hopefully yeah. hopefully the large printer will be up and running soon. And I actually want to um, use my hobby time to do to get into gardening. So I've got uh, 3D print files for um, a hydroponic tower. I'm using my hands to show Corey. Um, but basically, <laughs> <laughs> basically it's, it's a bunch of... This is great radio. <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch of... Uh, plant pots that stack and you run a a hose with a pump through the middle of them and then at the top it it sprays it out in like a trickle so it hits all the pots on the way down and it just it's a continual loop yeah so um i want to get into a little bit of like fruit and vegetable gardening and i think the kids would like seeing these like giant uh plant towers because literally you build them in modules and, and as tall as you can you know as much resin as you can afford that's that's how tall you can build these things um 
So hopefully I can get this thing fixed and, and do something non-gaming related with these printers for once. <laughs> that sounds, no, that's amazing. I, yeah. I've i uh, always tried my hand at gardening wherever we've lived in the past. And uh, unfortunately, South Carolina's in like this really unique uh, growing niche. Like they've got different growing regions throughout the continent and yeah. nothing down here that you want to grow will grow. Uh, but all the weeds in the world, however, right. if we could eat weeds, we'd be eating cheap. So, You'd be kings, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't have a green thumb either, but I'm hoping this is straightforward enough that it's just it'll work. It'll work. And if not, yeah. you know, it's a project. It costs the the cost of filament. You know, it's cheap. Yeah, just a couple, you know, time. Um, so yeah, that that's my hobby corner. Um, and so with that, I think we're on to. The, the, the topic. topic, that's right, the, the meat of this episode is we're talking about online menus. That's right. Yep. Be- uh, Matt, really, oh, oh, go ahead, bud. Because, well, the reason we want to talk about this is, like we said, we don't want to talk about the quarantine and the pandemic and all that stuff, but we do want to talk about how you can keep your hobby going in this environment, right? Matt's a, Yeah, Matt's exactly right. Uh, we have to face the facts that uh, the world's changed. And to, regardless of those changes, we still want to play our games. We still want to have fun. We still want to do what we love to do. Uh, even before COVID, online role-playing was surging in popularity. The everyman gamer knows getting down to your local favorite store or over to a friend's house once every week can be a serious commitment. Online venues have also allowed for old gaming groups, forced part ways due to moving and life changes, to reform and revisit their old glory days. That, that sounded really scripted, didn't it? That sounded painfully scripted. Uh, <laughs> well, let's let's break it down. So, um, yeah, um, none of these virtual tabletops have sprung up in response to how we're playing today. They were all there beforehand. Although I will yeah. say, a lot of them kind of spur to action to get ready. Um, but the point is, is that if you get into virtual tabletop now, you are joining a robust uh i don't know if that's the right word you're you're already you're joining an established community right yep you absolutely yeah. are yeah. yeah yeah um and and the, the the neat thing is is that not only can you play with people that maybe you had like an in-person table right um maybe you can meet complete strangers on the internet and uh you know that's that's kind of the cool thing of the internet is you can make friends on the other side of the world you know and and that's true here too you're very right. I remember back when I was gaming, when I was a young man, before even the internet was popular, widespread, um, I didn't have anybody in my community who had any interest in Dungeons & Dragons. I had a ton of books. I had spent all my allowance on them. I didn't have anybody to play with. Today, if you find something you're even remotely interested in and you're willing to put down the time and the effort, you can find somebody somewhere through one of these online venues or maybe something else. Maybe you'll find one we didn't find to play your games with. Yep, and I, and I also want to touch on, definitely going off script here, um, something that's really cool about these, there's a lot of cool features to these virtual tabletops that I enjoy a lot. In fact, I've talked about this before, I use a, t- a TV as my table and use a virtual tabletop in my in-person game because you can do things like um, there's line-of-sight mechanics built in, um, you can use artwork that you find on the internet, um, there's dice rollers. Uh, the virtual tabletop that I actually use has a really awesome initiative tracker that 
you know, displays the whole order of initiative across the, the, the bottom of the TV, which helps everyone stay on board. Um, there's tools to help you track combat, to help you track your notes. Um, there's a lot to be appreciated by using a virtual tabletop, even if you don't have to. Yep. Right? So and with that... Go on. No, uh, I was just going to say briefly... Uh, and I know we've discussed this in the past in our other conversations and other episodes. Um, there are so many tools out there. When our group, Matt and I's group, first switched over to virtual tabletop after our moves, uh, the process of developing content as a DM on one of these venues broke me mentally. It was exhausting. It was hard. And then my buddy Matt, about six months to a year later says hey check out what i do and he shows me these quick and dirty and brilliant methods of making maps and producing content and the key to what i mean other than the the rampant jealousy and anger i felt at him <laughs> in those moments the key take takeaway i had in that moment was if you're willing to put in the time to do the research and the homework you don't have to spend a ton of time building stuff it just becomes much more easy for uh, you as the DM to use these tools and use them quickly and smartly instead of breaking your back like I did. Yeah, it can be as easy as honestly just finding a picture of a map that you like and drag dropping it onto your, your virtual tabletop and away you go. That's, that's really all you gotta do. So with that said um, we're actually going to start off by talking about um, the other half of it which is the communication venue. Um, right. Because right now, you know, if you are playing tabletop games, you're, you're probably playing them. You sh- should be playing them virtually. I don't want to get on a soapbox. Um, <laughs> a lot of that, a lot of them have built-in communication options. Like Roll Twenty has voice and video features. They're terrible, so you'll have you're, you're going you're to get a lot more mileage by going to a third party. So we're talking about using two things at the same time: a virtual tabletop and some ways, some means of communicating. Um, and the first one we want to talk about is Discord, because Discord is really good at what it does. Yeah, Discord has become ubiquitous in the gaming community. Very yeah. popular, very simple to use. Yeah, we don't we don't need to spend any time talking about what Discord is, because if you're here, you already know what it is. Yeah. Um, but in my experience, um, using Discord for voice chat, the audio is excellent. Uh, especially at the price point, um, when we when we tried it out, we had no no dropped calls, uh, no static, none of that. Um, everybody sounded clear, and actually, since in recent in recent time, Discord has added a video feature. However, I have not used it, I, I, so I can't I can't speak to it. So Discord is a really good option if you're if you don't need face to face, you know, if you don't need video, you just need voice. Um, however. I need the video, you know. I need to know. I need to see the reaction on my players' faces when I tell them the dragon rolls a twenty. No, you know? I, you're exactly right. And a lot of people want to pretend like the uh, the face to face communication isn't important anymore when you have a Discord or a similar service. Yeah. You and I have found out, even just for the simple purposes of recording a podcast, that the visual communication, those unspoken cues that people share, uh are highly important, perhaps more important than you realize just sitting there listening to this. Yeah, and I got to come a little clean. <laughs> Personally speaking, when it's just voice, 
and I have some experience playing with just like strangers on roll 20 and voice only. Uh, when it's voice only, it becomes even easier to get distracted. I, I think that's kind of the, the, the hurdle you got to get over when you're playing virtually is that distractions abound. You're on a computer and Google or whatever you use or, you know, the Internet is just one more click away. You know, you can click over it and go get distracted. When you're playing with people you don't know very well, even people you do know very well, um, and all they are is just voices and it doesn't involve you, it's easy to get distracted and become unplugged from the game. So I think by using video, it just kind of keeps you anchored to what's going on just a little bit better. Um, so with that said, most of my experience actually doing this is with Google Hangouts. Um, I used Google Hangouts when I was first, make, you know, forming my group. I used Google Hangouts as like a kind of like a safe way to like meet people. So I'm not asking for phone numbers or personal information. Just to, just go to a Google Hangout, you know. And then yeah. we, so when we started playing remotely, we switched to using Google Hangout video chat. And it's okay. Um, we had some disconnects. We had some technical difficulties. Uh, the sound quality is okay. Um, it, it's good in a pinch. I'll say that. Uh, however, recently, Google has started advertising something called Meet, which is supposed to be uh, a higher quality video chat. I don't have any experience with it because by the time Google Meet came out, or I was aware of it, I already had Zoom, and that's the next one. <laughs> but Zoom. Matt, Zoom is evil. Haven't you read the news? <laughs> I know. Zoom. All right, so Zoom is the premium option. Uh, there are some free options with Zoom. I think it's like... Um, well, again, if, if, you're, if you're working in Office 9 to 5 or whatever, you probably already know Zoom. But for those of you who may not, um, Zoom has some free options, like 45-minute uh, meetings. So I think you can like play your game, and then in 45 minutes it drops, and you can just call again. You, so you can play with that kind of interruption. Um, however, um, looking around at other people's opinions, a lot of people said that once you try Zoom for, for playing your games, you're not going to want to go back. And I have to agree. I, it's just okay. the, the picture quality on Zoom is really good. The voice quality is really good. I haven't had any interruptions. And Zoom has one feature that really like like sunk it in for me, even with all the, the stuff we'll talk about. You can share audio. Not only can you share your screen, but like on my computer, I can tell Zoom to share like I have iTunes playing. So now I'm sharing music with my with my group. Um, I think it's the audio quality is a little finicky in that it's it's loud, and I'm kind of worried it's too loud all the time. Um, so I have it like set on like you know volume zero to a hundred. It's set at like literally one, <laughs> and even then I'm worried it's too loud. Um, that said, um, when I play in person, I always have music going because I think it helps a lot, and my players have agreed that that having a music feature in Zoom has been really really good. Yeah. Um, buyer beware. Uh, there's been a lot of security risks with Zoom. Um, I haven't done a lot of investigation. I mean, I know the security risk is out there. I think it started with um, hackers were able to, like, get into your video chats, like, basically, like, invite themselves in, um, all the way up to data leaks. So do your research, you know. You've got some, there's some risk to take with, with Zoom, but... I've been really satisfied with it. 
don't don't put anything out there that you are you're not comfortable with some stranger finding. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I I assume my Zoom chats are public. That's just kind of how I go with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's leftover options. There's there's technically there's Apple FaceTime, although uh, and although uh, FaceTime does group chats, I think they're terrible. Uh, have you ever tried one? Do they yes, got all, like, the bubbly to, faces. Uh, we use FaceTime for our recording purposes, and it's perfect for a one-on-one combo. Yep. Uh, I can't. I've seen the the pure chaos that a group chat on FaceTime is. Yeah. It makes me nauseous just thinking about it right now. I think they've actually changed it so it gets a little bit better. But when I've been a part of group FaceTime uh, chats, the way it works is everybody's on your screen, but the more someone is talking, the louder, the larger their picture gets. It sort of like pushes out other people and gets bigger. And it just ends up looking very, I think you described it perfectly, it's chaotic. Yeah. Um, but it's there and it's free. Um, there's also Skype. I, I, Skype is out there. I can't attest to it. I've never used it for this. Um, and also, if we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, <laughs> your virtual tabletop probably has a voice and video option, but yuck. <laughs> I, I, I remember our attempt to use the uh, Roll20 voice chat, and it was just a car wreck. Yeah, yeah. but that was, that was a while ago. Maybe it's better. I don't know. Sure. I, just, I just opted for Zoom. So that's that's how you can communicate with the people that you're playing with. Um, my final recommendation, I gotta say, I agree with the the Zoom. You know, people say Zoom has the best quality. I agree. Um, it's fifteen bucks a month. I think that's a small price to pay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. If I was falling back, it'd probably be to Discord, especially now that it has a video feature. Yeah. Okay. Um, but now we want to talk about the virtual tabletops. Yeah, the meat of the potatoes. That's right. That's how uh, that saying goes, right? Yep. Uh, <laughs> let's get the big one out of the way. If you're if you're looking at virtual tabletops, your search is probably going to begin at Roll Twenty, and I have to say, Roll Twenty is probably setting the standard. Um, so maybe it's a mistake by starting with them. I don't know, um, but it I find Roll Twenty to be the best place to start because it's the most user friendly. It's it's built into your browser, uh, works really well with Chrome, and Firefox too. I think. Um, and like I said before, assets can literally, you can just drag and drop it from your desktop right onto the the table, put it on the right layer and and off you go. Super friendly. Yeah. Uh, roll 20 has also got, uh, I said it earlier, discord was ubiquitous. Roll 20 is ubiquitous for virtual tabletops. Uh, if there's a game out there you're interested in playing, somebody is playing it on roll 20. Yep. Uh, to that end, Roll20 has a really good find-a-game feature, like a search engine for, for games that you can join. And it also has a really robust marketplace. So um, if you're into running like official D&D adventures, like I was talking about Fandelver, you can actually just go buy the module on Roll20 and it's all prepped for you. Good to go. Um, however, there's a big asterisk with Roll20. Um, yep. <laughs> yep, there are some very scary stories about the quality of management. Yeah. Yep. Um, Corey and I, we're not going to go into detail on those. Because um, all I can say is I haven't personally seen anything. So, you know, right? But if you just do some light searching around the internet, you will find stories of hardship with World20's management. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just briefly, I, I think 
Matt made a real good point about Zoom earlier in that it behooves the user to do the research. I think uh, depending on where you stand uh, on a social scale, you may want to do some research about which virtual tabletop you're using and look into practices and policies. And if that's what's important to you, go into those these things with your eyes wide open. That's right. So the other two we want to talk about, I would consider to be the contenders for Roll20, being at the top of the food chain. The first one is the one that I actually used to wrap up my campaign. It's called Astral, which um, if you're looking around for an option, you know, for an alternative, try Astral right now because they've made, they've made its uh, premium features free during this like COVID period. Um, I don't know if it's extending too much further than the end of May into June, um, so it might be too late by the time this show is public, um, but give it a shot, you know? Free is good. (laughs) Um, To Astral's benefit, they've got some really good um, features that I think are, they've clearly built it up with the DM in mind. You know, when I talk about how Roll20, you can just drag and drop your pictures, like your maps, onto the table. Astral worked even easier than that for me. When it comes time to like aligning it to a grid, right? And right. building out like lines of vision, like putting like lines between walls and stuff like that so the player's tokens can't see through it. Um, defining vision, like can my, how far can my players see? Can they see in the dark? All this stuff. Astral has a really good, um, a really good um, uh, like mechanic. Like it's easy to use. It's intuitive to set it all up. Um, that being said, uh, although it has like a marketplace, Astral's marketplace is not quite as robust as Roll Twenties. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's building right now, um, and I also find it found it to be kind of laggy in use. So, um, but again, it's it's free for now. Um, you know, at least when I was using it, its premium features were all free. Uh, so it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. The next one is Fantasy Grounds, which um, the I think the easiest place you can find it is on Steam. Corey, do you have Fantasy Grounds? I do not. Uh, that is something, uh, when we were discussing this episode, I, I told Matt he'd have to write the stuff for Fantasy Grounds. The okay. one thing I take away from Fantasy Grounds is it looks gorgeous when you mm-hmm. see footage of it, when you see screenshots of it. Um, but and uh, I'm going to let you take back over here, Matt, since you're the one with the first-hand experience. Yeah. This, the first bullet point on our notes is one of the big things that turns me off from Fantasy Grounds. Turns you off of Fantasy Grounds? That's interesting. Our first yeah. bullet point, let, let's get it out then. The first two that I talked about are subscription services. You, subs- you have to pay a monthly or yearly fee to Roll20 or Fantasy Grounds. I Personally, I feel like they're both reasonably priced, um, but if, if you are rightly shy of a subscription, that's fine, because I think the, the world's kind of gone subscription crazy, right? I, I agree, yeah. Yeah. Fantasy Grounds, you just buy it. It's expensive, but you just buy it, and then you own it, right? Um, and the other benefit that to Fantasy Grounds is that it's a, it's a program, it's an app. So if, if the, using a web browser is kind of icky to you, because, I mean, let's be honest, it's not the, like, the, the most solid at, at times, I hope that makes it's sense. It's not pretty looking, yeah. It's not a f- refined, finished product. <laughs> That's right. Fantasy Grounds might be the one that you're looking for then. Um, I think, although it's pretty, I think 
it's almost too pretty in that the UI takes some learning. There's a learning curve to understanding how the UI works, but once you get it, it's good. Um, what else can we say? Uh, Fantasy Grounds also has a really robust, um, I don't know if you'd call it like DLC content then, because it's an app. It's a program, right? Yeah. But just That's like... That's what... Go ahead. Just like Roll20, when you can you can buy modules and stuff, Fantasy Grounds uh, is much the same. That That is a, a reoccurring theme throughout these that I have the issue with, and I understand from a business standpoint there's really no other way for these companies to make money than to sell uh, licensed content from Watsi, but I just, I really struggle with, I want to buy this book from Watsi, it costs me $50, I want to go play this game, but I can only find a game online, and then it's going to cost me another, and I don't know the top, the prices off the top of my head. I don't like the, the the constant buying of the same stuff. It, it, yeah. it drives me nuts. I I think it's something that this venue, this this online venue, needs to figure out a little bit better than what they've got right now. Yeah, I agree. Especially, I'm a, a heavy D and D Beyond uh, subscriber. In fact, I don't I don't own any D and D books, any content at all. Everything I have is on D and D Beyond. Um, and the idea of buying it on D and D Beyond, and then also buying it on Roll Twenty or Fantasy Crowns is just. I get why it's that way. You know, it's business is business, right? None of these yep, people yep. are affiliated with Wizards, Watsi, so they have to buy it to sell it to you, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I get sucks. why. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. I get why they do it. I understand it's how they make the money. It's how they pay their rent. It still feels like chewing on tinfoil to me. That's right. So the last options we have... Um, I think are worth mentioning if you're doing something like uh, Call of Cthulhu. You know, if, if you're if you're playing a game that lends itself well to theater of the mind, and maybe you just want to be able to share images or quick sketches or you know just like like quick and dirty stuff. You don't you don't rely on grids and line of sights and cones and area of effect. Then there are some other options. There's Microsoft Whiteboard. Um, yep. Yeah, so I mean, Microsoft Whiteboard is is exactly what it sounds like. It's a virtual whiteboard. Everyone can kind of doodle on it. Um, and when I say Microsoft Whiteboard, I'm really talking about any whiteboard app because I'm sure there's a Google option. I'm sure the the you know the i the Apple App Store has an option. Um, and it might just be just enough to be what you need, you know. Especially if you're the kind of group that's meeting in person, and you just need something to get by. Um, maybe this is what you need. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And but I, that's I think a, you, you, you hit the, on the head with your earlier statement that this style of venue is something that's meant for the role-playing games that are much less the strategic battle maps and more of the... You're just role-playing. This could easily find a place in a, a vampire game or a Call of Cthulhu game and fit perfectly. That's exactly when I when I thought of um, like a digital whiteboard, the first thing I thought of would be how cool it would be to do your vampire um, relationship tree, yes. right, on a digital whiteboard. Exactly. And that's all you need, right? That's it. Um, and then with that said, there's like the leftover option of something like just screen sharing. Um, like with Zoom, you can share your desktop screen. 
and then you can run an app like Photoshop or, or Paint. <laughs> you know, like um, if if for some reason none of the other options work for you, there is that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine playing with Paint, but I am somebody out there probably has. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and I also want to give a shout out to my my favorite um, virtual tabletop app. It's Encounter Plus for Apple devices. It's it's on it's on Mac OS now. Um, the developer has just added his own uh, virtual tabletop option where people can can look at your screen by going to like web browser and entering a URL. I haven't used it. Um, I think my hang-up would be, I think it's still the DM is the only one who can control tokens, so you'd have to like tell the DM where you want your guy to go. But um, but Encounter Plus is out there. If you like playing on an iPad, if you like dungeon mastering from an iPad, check out Encounter Plus, because you can play it virtually now. Yep. All right, so... Uh, Matt, uh, what's your takeaway with all this stuff? <laughs> so to wrap it up, um, for what it's worth, um, I'm playing with Zoom because I said the audio sharing and stability can't be beat. And I'm playing with Roll20 because um, of its stability. So I've, I've picked the two options with the asterisk attached to them, you know. <laughs> and, and the expensive option because right. Zoom has a sub, you know. Uh, the only thing I've got left to add because obviously... Matt's the one who's done so much more of this than I have. But there's just a couple points I think that are really important to stress is that list was by no means complete. Yep. Uh, we don't have the time to go through the internet and list all these possible options. Uh, there, nor by any means are these options exclusive. Uh, in fact, as Matt was just talking about, uh, you can choose to mix and match these services. Uh, maybe you find that your group outgrows Roll20 and you guys want to move on to something different. Um, Matt, when we were at Gen Con 2019, I believe we actually talked to two or three different developers who were building their own style of virtual tabletops. Uh, yeah, we, this we stuff, were. Yeah, this stuff is not new, but it is growing in popularity, not just because of the pandemic, but because this is a market that people think they can capitalize on. So if you as a fan and as a listener have a favorite we didn't cover or you're on to something new that you think is going to be a huge deal, let us know. Hit us up on social media. Clue us in, and uh, we'll include it in one of our talks going forward here. Yep. Um, and you don't even have to like stick to one model for all your games either. You could I could see the case for playing Dungeons & Dragons on Roll20, and then you take a break and you want to play Vampire for a little bit, so you just bust out a digital whiteboard. Absolutely. Totally, totally. Yep, yep. Use what works for you for the game. Yeah, these are tools in a toolbox, not not a dogma you have to live by. Exactly. No matter how people talk about them online. Because yeah. I think there's a lot of tribalism with this stuff. Absolutely is. Everything's right. an echo chamber. Be careful who you're listening to. That's right. So uh, that's today's show, Virtual Tabletops. Yeah, guys. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for giving us another go, and uh, we're looking forward to turning this thing up for everybody. What do we have in the works for future content, Corey? Can we talk about well, it? Well, we could talk briefly. we got a couple things. You mentioned uh, tabletop etiquette was something you wanted to cover, right? Uh, tabletop etiquette, and if we do it quickly, virtual tabletop etiquette, because I think, I think sure. those are two different topics. 
Um, yeah, I'd like to talk about those because I think there's a couple like little things you could do at your table to just kind of keep things fluid. Um, I, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, the biggest hang-up is an interruption to the gameplay. I hate that. Um, like screaming kids in the middle of a recording? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, kid. I don't. I love his kids. They're great. <laughs> Uh, they're great. It's been great being uh, stuck home with them for the last. <laughs> oh, what else we got? I want to redo the cyberpunk episode. Um, yeah, our editor got all over me about the cyberpunk episode last week. Apparently, we were not up standard. No, that guy's a jerk. That's He's not what happened. Yeah, our editor's the jerk. He lost the the files. He the editor. Now that was not what that son of a bitch told me. <laughs> so he's that a liar. Son of a bitch. Yeah. He's was probably just trying to protect his job. Oh my god, we need a new editor. Yeah, so we recorded a really good episode on uh, cyberpunk uh, role-playing games. Um, all I can say is, from what I heard, what the editor shared with me was really good. Um, so let's do that one again. Um, Why does he like you so much more than he likes me? <laughs> yeah, he's playing favorites. Um, and the other thing that I have got to talk about, and we definitely, once the dust settles on this... I want to do a deep dive is the forthcoming Warhammer 40k 9th edition that's been announced. So that that's going to be huge for our uh, tabletop wargaming people. I think the biggest thing I've heard about it, I mean the most exciting thing for me that I've heard about it, is that it, it scales well. You can play small uh, Warhammer games, you can play large Warhammer games. Because I mean, yeah. although that's the case in the current edition, it doesn't translate so well. Certain factions do much better. Um, but apparently, in this new edition, uh, your lunch break, 500-point games will be a lot of fun. And that's exactly where I'd want to go in on 40K. Right. Yep. All right, Corey, walk us out with uh, social media. Where do they find oh. us these days? Uh, pawns the show on everything. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, the Instagram won't go live to next week, but probably by the time you hear this, it should be ready to run. And uh, Gmail, Pawns the Show. Gmail, Pawns the Show at gmail.com. If you've got ideas, if you've got comments, critiques, criticisms, get them to us. If you give us a five-star review on the Apple uh, podcast apps or wherever you listen to us, we will read it online. Uh, so please, leave us some feedback. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you're out there. All right, everybody. Be safe. Have a good night, guys. Bye.